Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome back to another Radical Humanity episode, and this is another episode in the series, within the series, uh, Let's Get Honest, and my name is Ben Hoover, and welcome to my podcast show, where I basically just process my life out loud, and I talk about conceptual stuff and, you know, um, and, and really I'm just kind of piecing together and assembling sort of my experiences and thoughts and, uh, making connect connection points or connecting points, um, or points of connection. That's probably the, the better way to, to put that. Um, uh, just with what my experiences are in life and sort of bridging the gaps between, um, my personal experiences and some of the conceptual, uh, the, the theological, philosophical, psychological. Anyway, and I, man, you know, I was thinking about before this episode that um, I, I find myself getting more and more excited when I record these episodes. I've found, uh, um, now, I would say my stronger point of connection is often through writing, and I've struggled with being somewhat eloquent, unless I'm in just comfortable in my own skin. And then this artic- this ability to articulate things can come out pretty naturally. But uh, but often I've I've uh, wrestled, struggled with uh, um, communicating things eloquently. And that, I think that's often because of s- some form of of judgment. Um, and in comparison, which is another form of judgment. Um, but I've I found myself getting more comfortable with with doing these uh, episodes and and I'm really enjoying it a lot more. And I thought I, I um, after recording my Beatitude series, which eventually I'm gonna uh, uh, publish those, I I thought, you know, I think I'm gonna be done. I don't know. I mean, I might be done after that, or at least put this whole podcast series on pause. But uh, I'm finding that I'm uh, there's a lot more ideas that are generating uh, as I kind of almost daily, and uh, yeah, and I'm this excitement has grown for that, and I'm kind of and it's more of a there's sort of a mystery and, and an unknown element of ooh, I wonder wonder what I'm going to discover. When I talk this out loud, I wonder what I'm going to piece together, um, and and so this series that you're listening to, listening to within this series, it's called "Let's Get Honest," and that's where I, I want to talk more about my life in, uh, in in kind of more of a raw fashion. And I know that I've gotten warnings from people at times. Um, you know, it's that that you get pretty vulnerable out there. I mean, that's. It's pretty honest, almost hinting like, should I even be listening to this? Because, uh, I mean, you really kind of pull back the curtains and you can kind of peer inside the house. And, you know, I think for me, I've I've often gravitated towards the vulnerable and, and the honest and talking more about my life. And, um, and so, yeah, when I put myself out there in this way, there is risk that comes from that. Um, people will either enjoy that and want want to hear more of that and maybe it's inspiring to them and and maybe it helps not feeling alone or it gives permission and normality to what they're uh, experiencing in life and and for some maybe it's uncomfortable 
They don't. Uh, they haven't really been around someone or experienced that level of of honesty, uh, of of self reflection, and that's okay. I mean, uh, we're all kind of in different ends of that spectrum. But for me, it's uh, I I actually as much of it is a risk, and I feel anxious at times talking about myself more so in the presence of someone else, not necessarily in a podcast episode. Although I do get anxious and nervous. Um, yeah, I, I, I find it really thrilling and exciting. There's again, there's risk in that. There's adventure. I wonder what's going to unfold when I, uh, when I'm honest about my experience, when I talk about my life, and uh, and so, uh, so yeah, I, I find for me, I, I find it exciting, and I, I truly enjoy it. And and so I thought, you know, why not, why not begin as like a mini-series, and again, I don't know if it'll be a mini-series, I think it'll be ongoing, um, or it won't be so many, but I thought, why not, why not explore more of my life? I like doing conceptual, and, and, I, and I will incorporate parts of my life in that, but I really want to talk about, um, and, and kind, of, kind of really sort of pull up the floorboards, so to speak, uh, and really kind of peer into my life and, and process that. So I like doing that with my friends, but, um, but this is different. And so in this episode, um, uh, it's, called, it's called The Moldy Thermos, or The Dream of the Moldy Thermos. And, uh, and so actually, uh, I'm going to go into that, and I'm going to talk about some experiences with my dad. Um, and, uh, and so, but, but I want to start with this dream that I have. Now, I don't, I don't, I have dreams, and I've I've had plenty of them in these last couple of years. Uh, a lot of them, a lot of very significant dreams. And actually, I, I think sometimes my my conversations with people sometimes they they treat dreams they kind of throw them away. Uh, uh, I I actually in my interactions with people that have talked about their dreams, they either just the the sense that I get from it is they they kind of toss them away, just kind of consider them as yeah, they're just a dream. They're kind of weird, you know, they don't mean much, or some people will read them so literally, and, and get lost in what's really symbolic, and, uh, and, and really kind of read a dream just uh, very, on the heavy end, on the heavy, on the literal end, in, in a very heavy, uh, a concrete way, and, and my, I liked how it was told before, I liked, I, so this isn't my original I didn't create this, but I, I liked how, um, actually my therapist said that the dreams are our unconscious coming into our conscious because we're ready to see something. And, uh, and so that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I like that. And, and so for me, when I'm, when I have a dream or I'm listening to someone, a client will bring up a dream. And I, I like that. I kind of roll up my sleeves and I get excited and I think, Ooh, Ooh, I wonder what this means. And so, uh, just just so you know, now I know there's books written on dreams and dream after dream after dream, and and so many details are written, and and they take the symbolism and they'll really uh, excavate from that and say, okay, this means this and means that, and and there may, you know, I don't know, I haven't done a lot of research on dreams, and there's probably some validity to that, but sometimes I think we 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 go a little too strong on really reading into a dream. Um, and, and actually my approach is I take more of an aerial view. So I really back off and I don't, I don't go into it with, uh, really with this 
uh, intricate, tedious detective work. So for me, dreams, as I've, I've adopted that viewpoint from my therapist, dreams are the unconscious that then uh, 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 um, arise into our conscious because we're ready to see something. We're, we're, so, um, so now dreams come out in obviously very symbolic, metaphorical uh, um, images, imagery. Now, but where first one, where first I go is when I ask myself this or, or when I ask a client this or a friend or whoever is what's the feeling? Because the feeling is really the theme. It's really the, the current in there. It's, it's the thread. Um, it's the mood in the way, the temperature. <laughs> Have I used enough metaphors there? Um, it, yeah, so, so you're looking at the, the, um, really the feeling in that because that has the, the meaning. Um, and then from there, you can, you can start to piece together the symbolism. Um, and, and I love it. I mean, dreams are just so, they're so bizarre and fascinating and it's incredible what our mind can create out of the, the depths of ourselves and out of the emotional realm and the message in that. So, uh, so again, so I, I, I listen, I, I look for and listen to the, uh, um, to the emotion and then I create meaning from that. So, uh, so I hope that makes sense when I talked about that. So for me, I've, I've, kind of explored this dream, but I'm going to uh, get kind of more of a, this is a fresh exploration as I process this out loud. So, um, so that's why this episode is called, <laughs> called the dream of the moldy thermos. Now, um, so I have this thermos and I always use it. And so, and oh, that's the other thing too about a dream is that we can collect daily things, uh, daily sensory experiences, imagery, whatnot. Um, and, and what it does is then our our mind assembles that, and will then. Uh, um, but again, it constructs that out of an emotional experience, out of need, out of desire, out of what we're wanting, what we're going through on a on a deeper transformative level. So, um, so I have this this thermos, and I often use it to put tea in or or make tea, and I'll bring that to work and whatnot. So this dream has to do or the imagery in that has to do with my thermos. So, um, and, and what's interesting about this is actually, um, I had this dream over this weekend. So I went down and visited my parents because my dad is in Stanford for uh, his bone marrow transplant, which he got Christmas Eve, and he's been there. And then he was admitted back in the hospital because he had something called graft-versus-host disease. And that's something where um, the, uh, the foreign... Uh, um, stem cells that he has in his body that he um, his brother had donated are now basically they start attacking my dad because they realize in a way we're in the wrong body this is this is not the right body and so they attack it as if that body's the enemy and so um, so what happened is my dad developed this pretty bad rash and then had a lot of diarrhea and kept going and it wasn't stopping so he was admitted back into the hospital and so um, it just so happened that I went down this weekend to go see them because they're staying in some housing just outside of the hospital area in the Stanford campus. And so I spent Friday and came back today on Sunday. And on the first night I was there, um, where I stayed in the apartment, where my mom's staying, and well, they're both staying, but my dad's in the hospital room, um, I, I had this dream. 
and I woke up and I kept thinking about it afterwards. But um, but then I forgot about it. And when I uh, th- that that morning when I was fully awake and getting ready to go for a hike, I was filling up or washing out my thermos, and I and it hit me. Oh my gosh, I had a dream about this. And it then everything came uh, everything came back into the picture. And I realized in that moment, oh, that's right, I had this dream. And, and I knew pretty instantly what it was about. So let me go into the dream. That was enough backstory. So this dream was, I, there were, I had my thermos. And on this thermos, there was this mold that was at the top. And it was thick mold. It had grown and it was, I think, growing. And, and in the middle of the, uh, the, the moldy growth was this kind of vegetarian vegetation. I don't know if it was weeds. It looked like it looked like leaves, something, you know, kind of plant leaves that was uh like um I don't know, like the poth- pothos uh leaves or whatnot. And that was kind of in the middle, but it also kind of had it looked like weeds, but it was this green growth in the middle. And then there was this mold, like really nasty mold on the outside. And what and in the dream I was I went to to sip to try to drink, but I couldn't. I was prevented from doing so because of the mold and the toxicity. And so, and I, and in the dream, my mom was in the dream and I kept, uh, like trying to get her attention and I felt helpless. And I think in the dream, I felt angry and I was trying to get her to see something, the, the mold or whatnot, but she wasn't paying attention or she wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't landing, um, in her and it wasn't, she wasn't digesting it. And so, um, and so, so, so in the course of this dream, I felt helpless, and I felt this prevention, this inhibition from from drinking out of this moldy thermos. And and the next thing that happened, it's a very short dream. The next thing that happened is I pulled out from the, I think from the green center, the growth in there. I pulled it out, and it came out fully intact. And what was interesting, it was so in attached, so fused into the, the, the metal, the canister that it actually pulled apart the inner lining. So what was left was still the thermos, but it was a very thin, fragile, like vulnerable layer. And I, I think I remember, recalled not realizing, I don't know if I can pour any hot liquids into this because of the, because it's, it lost that, that thick layer that actually, um, actually holds and keeps the liquid, preserves it in its, uh, in its hot form. And, uh, and, and that way I can grasp the outside. And so, so anyway, it was very sensitive and, and fragile, tender. And so I couldn't pour anything in. And, um, and, and so then I was left with the, uh, with the vulnerable, fragile, um, very thin shell of the, the canister, the thermos. And then I had the, uh, the intact moldy <laughs> center or ve- with the vegetation growing in the center with the, um, with the inner lining. And then that's when I, I woke up. And so, as I said before, then, you know, in real life in actual waking life, I was filling up my canister and then it clicked. Ah, but that night when I had the dream, I started ruminating and, which I had forgotten until I f- filled up my canister. And, um, and so here's, here's what's been happening. And let me now get into my life. 
So I've been in this process of differentiating from my parents. And what that means is my identity has been pretty fused and meshed with my parents, dependent on them. Um, and it's been this, mostly with my mom, this psychological, emotional dependency uh, where what she says, um, what she does has such an impact on me that it has influenced my life. And, uh, and so I haven't gone through that that necessary rupturing where I'm my own self and, and I have my own identity apart from my mom. Not, th- not that I wouldn't want encouragement, not that I want her to cheer me on or that validation and stuff, but it's been so, uh, there's been so entangled with her that, um, that I've been afraid of her, afraid to get angry at her, afraid to address things. And I have, like I've confronted my parents a lot. I've addressed a lot of the wounding and stuff, but the, the greatest entanglement is with my mom. And that's where a lot of the hurt and the infliction has caused. And so, so for me, there's this very intense fear of addressing things with her. So much so that when I'm around her, there's this, um, I, I constrict. I uh, tighten up. Um, I feel unsafe. I don't feel like I can open up. And when I have, it hasn't always gone well where there's this uh, um, permission given and and her taking that feedback and that confrontation and stuff. So I, I feel myself not feel free and feel constricted. And, um, and I was thinking about this when I was laying in bed in the middle of the night when I woke up from that dream that, um, that there was all this anger and that sometimes when I'm around her, this anger comes up and I push it down. And I push it down because I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared to address it. I feel like it's futile. It's, I feel helpless. Like it's not going to go anywhere. Like, and I, and I haven't hit that place where I really weep over that, where I really cry that it's like, I'm, I'm not going to get what I've needed, what I've wanted, um, this kind of validation, this being seen, this being known. Um, and so uh, there's often this tightness that happens to me. I feel restricted and constricted, and I don't feel free. Um, and so, so all that to say is that I've been on this journey of really finding myself and who I am apart from them. And part of that is confronting them. Part of that is getting angry. All that anger that's been uh, uh, vaulted in me, locked up, pushed down because I couldn't express as a kid is now coming up with great intensity. And, and there's moments where I'm just so angry, so angry, and it's misdirected on friends and people I'm, that are driving around me and just life. You know, there's just this anger. And I realize how much my anger has been because I haven't felt free, because, I, because there's this, uh, this evolving, growing experience happening to me where I need to separate. I need to go away. I need to, and, and it's painful. I mean, we don't realize, I don't know how many of us sometimes really go through that process of really differentiating. Like we may move away and that's one aspect, but moving away doesn't really, uh, sever that. Um, in my opinion, usually it comes with really having to find our own self and, and not in a rebellious way, although that's a part of it. I mean, part of it's rebelling, but it's, that's still fused with our parents and getting them to see us and, and validate and, and, um, give permission. And there's still entanglement in there. And, uh, but a lot of it too, even comes down to anger where actually, um, the real severing, the real separation comes from getting angry, from confronting, 
uh, our parents who have done the wounding in whatever capacity, whether it's uh, egregious, um, uh, egregious, egregious abuse, um, very hurtful, abusive nature, manipulative nature, or it could be some down to the fact that there was some form of judgment communicated. We don't realize how uh, there's sometimes there's a blatant there's blatant abuse. Right? It's really obvious. It's um, physical or sexual or whatnot. And that's really clear. That's overt. There's no, there's no confusion in that. But sometimes there, there's wounding that's very insidious. It's very covert. covert. There's messages implied. There's judgment that, uh, that uh, um, are, are very, um, it's like inconspicuous. And, and it, it, it's in there and you can feel it. Uh, hit you on a psychological level, emotional level, or whatnot. And that's that's where that can create a lot of confusion and fearing lo- feeling lost in a very entrenched entanglement with our parents, with our caregivers. And so so there's a wide range of how wounding happens. Um, but the real uh, the real change happens when we when we connect to that anger in ourselves and we start to confront that stuff, we start to address that. We start to find ourselves because anger, in my opinion, is it's tied to our full self, our whole self, our true self, um, because it's addressing the toxicities, the pollutants that have um, uh, uh, infected the relational water and infected our own self and have prevented us from finding our true, full, healthy self. Um, our, our individuated self, our separate self away from our parents. And so anger is in the catalyst, the antidote to finding that, but it, but it comes with addressing the pains, the harm done. And so this has been this journey that I've been on, and I'm not finished with it. And that's, you know, and that's scary because I'll tell you what, like I, I avoid that. I mean, I'm, I'm scared, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I've I've gotten in some big fights with my dad, but I and and some with my mom. But there's, you know, it's a little trickier with her, and it's I feel scared. I feel more scared with her. Um, and so yeah, I had this dream, and it was interesting because my mom was in this dream, right? And and I felt helpless because in this anger as well because I kept trying to get her to see it, and that's been this experience for me as I I in my anger I it comes up and there's this attempt to get to see her or to have her see this. To, to get her to wake up, to see this pain, this hurt, um, this wounding at times. And, um, and I can't. And that's where the helplessness comes in, too, is I can't. I can't do it. Like, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, again, it's futile. And so, but, but the dream had this mold, right, this toxicity, this, this enmeshment, this fusion, this, this psychological, you know, kind of blob and blurring between me and her or me and my dad or whatnot. Um, and so, and so, but what was interesting was also there was the growth in the midst of that. So, so here I am growing, right? Here I am, there's this, there's this fertile ground and soil going on in there and there's this vibrant growth happening, but there's still this toxic mold that surrounds me. There's, uh, there continues to be this, this, kind of uh, sort of poison in a way um, that's affecting the growth, that's affecting it. And so what was interesting is when I pulled it out, it took out the, the inner lining of the thermos. And, um, and, so, uh, and so it exposed both this, um, 
this need to uproot, this need to go. Um, there's this process when you're transplanting uh, uh, plants or vegetation. It's called scarification. And I learned this a couple years ago when I was helping uh, uh, prepare or plant a garden uh, for this church environment. This, uh, this, like they had some memorial garden kind of thing. And I first learned about scarification uh, when I was doing this, uh, this project. And scarification is when you, what you do is you take the roots or you take the whole thing out of its planter. So what, where you, say you bought this planter at a shop, um, at a, at a store, at a nursery or whatnot, and you take it out and it's all compacted, right? It's all in the form of the container it was in, the dirt and the, the growth and the, the roots are all bound in there. And scarification, what it does is, what you do is you take like a, like a knife um, and you, like a box cutter or something, and you slice very, kind of shallowly a little bit, you, you, you slice the roots all around. And what that does, and then you, you kind of knock the dirt and then you put it in the ground where you dig a hole and you, you, dig, you dig a bigger hole for the, root, for the roots to grow and to form and to become deeply rooted. And so this process... <clears throat> It's called scarification. And so what you do is, yeah, you break up what's been so compacted and confined and restricted, and you break it up and you cut it up, and it's painful, right? I mean, like, you're taking a knife to it. So I imagine, you know, I don't know what the plant goes through, but it's, you know, it's this kind of painful cutting process. And what that does is then you stick it into the the, the dirt and then allows it to grow in a healthy way and, and take root and then develop more. And so, um, and so when I... When I learned that, I thought, oh my God, that is such a metaphor to our own human growth and development. And so I see that. Why I brought that up is because I see that as this process, this taking the roots out, and and it's this almost the scarification process, right? It's super painful. The anger is like this knife that's cutting the 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 constricted, uh, um, uh, very constricted, um, uh, compacted, root bound soil, dirt, uh, growth. And, um, but then there's this other element too, which is then it left this canister with a very thin, fragile layer and, and, and vulnerable is the way I, I used it. And that's that process in a way of, as I'm uprooting, that there's this vulnerability. There's this, this coming back to myself that I was living in these safe confines, even though there was also this toxic enmeshment, this, this, this dependency on, on approval and getting them to, to, you know, cheer me on and, and say, go, son, go, um, and live your life and whatnot. But there was always this, on the other end, there's always these, like, hidden messages of, but, 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 you know, I kind of need you in a way, or something, you know, something along those lines that would also kind of keep me stuck. And so it's been a very entrenched pattern uh, well into my 30s. And so, so on both ends, there's this vulnerable canister, which is this, you know, taking the roots out and now having this exposure and now like no longer this, the sort of this cushion padded safety familiarity. But then there's the other end where you're also pulling up the roots and, and there's a scarification process. Um, but the emphasis in the dream was really on the canister as well, now being um, emptied of the mold. And yet there's also the growth, too, going on. So it was this dream where I had, I was growing, 
but there was also this mold that was surrounding that was preventing further growth. Um, and I kept getting my mom to, to, to see it and see it. And I, and I realized that I can't like, this is for me. I've got to go, you know, regardless, like, you know, I, I, I no longer can have that, that approval, that, that support, um, in a way, or the full support that I'm looking for. Um, and so, yeah, so that dream really, really resonated, really reverberated very strongly in me. And I knew instantly, yep, this is about me differentiating. This is about me going. And that's what's going to be coming up is eventually I'm, I'm going to be going on a journey, traveling, going away. And I don't know what's going to happen. If I return, if I don't, I don't know. All I know is that I've had this experience where I've been so frustrated and feeling f- so stuck and, have, and part of that frustration has been me in this entrenched pattern with my family. And, and, so, and so this anger and these dreams and these experiences have been about me uprooting, about me leaving, about me severing sort of the, the, un, the umbilical cord, if you will, because that's really has bled into so much of my life, dating and, you know, the relationships I've got into and friendships and um, that uh, it's, it's, it's kind of manifested in a lot of things, obs- obsession and fixation on stuff and wanting people to like what I write and all of this stuff. And when I'm away, when I'm traveling, when I'm just on my own, I don't even worry about that stuff. I, I really don't. I just enjoy and feel really free. Um, but it's when I come back to home, when I'm around my family, you know, I'm, I'm not fully myself I go away. I my my true self, my whole self, my free self, ends up um, kind of going into the cabin and they're recluding in uh, into the woods. I become this this reclusive, or this recluse. I mean, so um, so yeah, it was a very very profound dream, and 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 this is again, this is a very painful, excruciating excruciating process of separating. And I remember my therapist even saying, you know, Ben, cause I was looking to find my own house in this area. And, but I realized, and he even said at one session, he said, Ben, you're going to have to, it's going to be more painful than that. Just you moving out, you just finding a new place. Like that's, it's, 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 it can't just be that it's got to be something more. And I didn't quite get it at times, you know, and he said, it's going to be painful. And then I realized, Oh, now I know. And I had this moment where I woke up to that, where I realized in this, this angry one and a half hour rant, I went going to this park at night, uh, where I realized I don't, I don't want to be here. Like the thought of paying a mortgage and, and, um, and, and being stuck here for another five, 10 years, like I have to go, I might come back, you know, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like, but I, I know I need to go. And that's a big risk. And, um, and, you know, I have an idea of when that's going to happen, but, um, but for now, you know, I'm, I'm in wait and processing and, um, and so, uh, so, so this dream was so right on and, and I didn't also say the dreams, we always, it's always about our inner self. It's always about our internal world. It's talking about us. If we go too far outside of that, we start thinking, oh, it's about other people, um, yeah, sometimes the people in the dream are a part of the dream, and sometimes they, they're not. They don't, they maybe represent someone, but that's it, or an idea, or a desire. 
but um, and sometimes there are they have specific meaning, um, but it's always the dreams are always uh, emphasizing accentuating our internal world and what something we're working out. So anyway, so uh, this was God. This was such a cool dream and really important and. Yeah, certainly brought up a lot of stuff. It started to bring up anger in me, sadness, pain, feeling uh, loneliness, all of that. And then that also then kind of uh, bridges into this experience. So again, I was during this weekend, you know, I was visiting my mom, my dad, and and I would walk to the hospital to see my dad because the apartment was like, you know, five, six minutes away from where my the where my dad's staying in the hospital. And I'd go, and I, and I was talking with him, and I hadn't talked with him. I've told my mom all this, not my dream, but I, well, I told her about my dream, but I mean about me leaving. But I hadn't told my dad um, face-to-face. I know he knew, but I didn't really talk to him, and I told him. I told him about, um, about these experiences, about getting frustrated that I couldn't get, I wasn't going to be able to buy my friend's house, and how I realized I didn't even want his house, and I didn't even want to buy a house, and I didn't want to be stuck here in this area for another decade, and, um, and, and it was just this beautiful conversation, I had, like, really, really beautiful talks with my dad, um, and I'm really grateful for that, because my dad is sick, and there, we don't know, there's such a mystery, but there's this hope that this transplant is going to work and cure his lymphoma that he has, um, but it was such a special time for me to have with my dad, and really, really beautiful, and I told him all this, and, and, and what was going on, and I read him some of my poems, and I read him some of my other writings that I had, and, and uh, which he was just really taken aback by. Um, they're pretty dense stuff, so, you know, he, but he asked questions, and, and was curious, and, and, and so we had this conversation about my angry rant in the park, and, and what I realized, um, and he said, with this incredible tenderness, and, and encouragement in his voice, he said, son, he said, you know, like just what you're writing and and what you're discovering, he goes, it makes sense for you to go. It makes sense that there's that you really want to live life. And he said, there's no one way to live life. And he goes, you know, there's some of us that get married and, you know, we don't we don't end up anymore with those opportunities and we lose those opportunities. And um and for you you don't have that. And you get to do that. And, and so he said, and, and so he goes, yeah, there's not some one-size-fits-all way of, of a lifestyle. And that, I don't know, that just touched me. And it was it really it was meaningful to hear my dad say that. And I, I love those words when he said, you know, there's no one way to live life. And it's true. And, and for so long, I had compared myself to everyone. Oh, man, I, I need to have a family. I need to have kids. And and because I felt alone, and I and I didn't have that commonality with my friends, and I thought I'd get married when I was in my twenties, but I didn't even date for like seven years, and then met you know an old friend that we dated, and that ended horribly, and then fell in love with this woman, and who lived in another country, and then that ended, and um, and and of course that woke up a lot of stuff of beginning to face. Uh, these these women that I end up drawn to and how that's a connection to my upbringing and my parents and mostly my mom and whatnot. And I've been working stuff out through those relationships and, and f- f- even from the ending of those relationships. But um, 
but you know, it, you know, and I realized like, man, there's a reason why I'm not in a relationship and, and, and that I don't even really want that right now. And I really want to live and I really want to find myself. And I, when I am in a relationship, I want to bring my whole self and, and, and be solid in that. And, you know, of course, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more stuff that gets worked out that way, but in a relationship, but still like, there's this part of me of, you know what, I want to live and I want to live outside of a romantic relationship. And, and I realized how much, I think so, so much of me being in a relationship was, um, emulating. It was, a uh, desires that mimicked like, uh, um, mimosas, you know, mimosas, mimosas. That's like a Sunday morning drink. Um, it's, it's, uh, it mimics the desires of other people that there's this, uh, trying to emulate. Um, I can't think of the word, damn it. Um, sort of replicate how other people live and not really listening to myself of, you know what? I don't think I want that. I think I wanted that because I didn't want to feel alone. I think I wanted to have kind of a, a um, commonality with my friends, be able to share in that together. But the truth was, is I didn't have all this energy for that. And I kept thinking a woman would save me out of, you know, out of this stuck place and take me out of this whole psychological entanglement with my family. But nope, it, that didn't happen. In fact, it just kind of uh, really created a lot of pain and necessarily so and, and caused me to start looking more inward and addressing these inner conflicts and these struggles and these impediments. Um, so I'm thankful for that. So, um, so it was just such a very special conversation with my dad for him to say that. And, um, and we had, we had some beautiful dialogue, he and I, and, and it was hard because today I, I left and I felt really sad leaving them and really sad leaving my dad. And at the end I, I, I cried, you know, I wept because of what my dad's going through. Like I hate seeing him. He's bald and has very thin facial hair and you know, rashes on his body and is frail. And, you know, we went for a walk, he and I, but he's hooked up to all his chemo bags or not chemo bags, but all his bags that, um, kind of keeping his body somewhat nourished and in a somewhat healthy state. And, um, and it's just like, it's just this horrific experience. There's nothing pretty about this. There's, there's, there's nothing beautiful about this experience. The only thing that's beautiful in the sense is that I've had a, 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 um, a, strength, a, a strengthening and deepening in my connection with my dad. Um, but we went for a walk, and, you know, he gets out of breath really easily and whatnot. And when we were leaving, I, I could feel myself ready to leave, but at the same time also not wanting to leave my dad because um, it's just, again, it's this very, very painful time. And I don't know how long I'll have with my dad, but I wept. I, I wept at the end of leaving. Like, I just cried in front of him because I just, you know, it's just, oh, man. This is really hard. So um, all that to say is it's a very interesting time the, in my life of what my dad's going through, of me addressing the stuff with my parents and leaving and... um and what I've been discovering for me in terms of the meaning of life. Um, there's a lot that I've lost. There's a lot that, a lot that I've walked away from and found a different path. And, um, and it is. It's, 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 it has been excruciating as much as it's also been exciting and freeing. And I've found 
how I want to live and this, this vibrancy and, and life has become increasingly more exciting. But there's also these, these painful moments that are a part of it too. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, I think, I don't think I have much more to say on that. I really wanted to talk out that dream and put that out there and process that. And, and, um, you know, you might be going through your own differentiating experience. You might realize that you've, even though you're far away from your parents, even though you've moved away, even though there's still this entanglement, you know, we can move away, we'll be far away, but there, there still has to be this process of separating of, uh, on an emotional, psychological level. Um, and that, that is, uh, that is an agonizing process. And yet it is also a freeing experience, um, at the same time. So, um, on that note, I think that's it. Yeah, it was a cool dream and a very deep, profound, prophetic dream for me that spoke about what I'm going through in my life and, um, and, and encouraging that this is the path for me. So, on that note, by the way, I hope you listen to your dreams. hope you pay attention to those and know that there's meaning to that. And it's, it's, it's usually, if not mostly, if not all the time, connected to something we're processing on an internal level. So listen to that, um, because there's some guidance in that. So guess what, folks? That's the end of this episode. Till next time.